Welcome to Coffee with Casey, where we talk about real estate strategies, market conditions, what's going on in the market. And today is, it's funny, I always say this is a very important show. This is very important what we're about to talk to. But this is extremely important because, well, last week we were named the number one team in Virginia by Wall Street Journal and Real Trends. Um, and that's the medium teams, which is 10 people and under, which I think is important because a medium team has very high quality control uh, because each one of their top producers, uh, each one of their agents are top producers. So, so the question is how you get there. You know, how do you get to $160 million a year, number one out of the state of Virginia, or blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, everything is important. Every little piece has got to be important. But what I'm going to talk about today is the predictive analysis, which has, without a doubt, launched our team um, to where it is today. It is one of the most important things that we do uh, when we are listing a house, okay? So the last show I, I had, or one of the last shows I had, was about you're either fishing or you're catching. So when you go out and you fish, you may get one fish every hour or two. That sucks. It's no fun. It's fun when you find the school of fish and you can just start catching fish and throwing them on the boat. And then you're just trying to look for the big fish. The predictive analysis tells us, are we on the school of fish? Are we not on the school of fish? So this is the key element of finding that school, that buyer pool that you're sitting on, identifying where it is, getting the hook in the water, and then when you launch your listing, now fish are jumping on the boat. Okay, so that's, that's the whole goal. Because the name of this series is the first 96, right? So the first 96 hours are critical. You launch the listing, everybody comes to see it, everybody can meet you at the open house, the agent can interview buyers, we can pick who we want, you know, and if we get enough people in that house, we know we're going to get contracts because we priced the house correctly, right? And we can prove it. So at that point, it is catching fish and throwing them on the ship, which we're pretty good at. All right, now, so let's talk about the mechanics of this predictive analysis that we're doing, okay? So what we do is we, in 2020, we shifted all of our marketing from when we launch a listing, we shifted it to the coming soon period. So when we launch a coming soon, you would think it's active. I mean, it says coming soon, but I mean, it is everything. It is geofencing. It is Google ads. It is targeting markets. It's getting things out to renters. It's getting things out to homeowners in the area. I mean, there is a full blitz once we go coming soon. And then I start watching. And I'm watching the MLS. And we'll look at some of the things here in a second. We'll look at the MLS. We'll look at a lot of things, which I'll go over with you today. And when we're done we're gonna know where is the biomass, where is the buyer pool, where is the school of fish that we're gonna fish in. And it's not, you know, it's funny, I, the other day I, I drew a simile to, from fishing to, to, to what we do. Now I'm gonna bring you over to baseball. All right, so in baseball, guys on first base, the goal is to get this runner home to, to home. Ball's hitting the outfield. The third base coach, me, is you're watching what's going on because you got to tell that runner, do you need to come to third base or do you need to stay at second base? So what you're trying to calculate is all these, all these data points. 
What is the outfielder's arm? Do they have a good position? Or is the ball hit hard? Are they going to get it quick? You know, is the runner fast? Is the guy at third base, can he catch the ball? So all of these data points are going through your brain at the same time. And then you come up with a determination. He's not going to make it. you got to stay at second base. Stay at second base. Do not come. Because should you come to second base or third base, you're going to get thrown out. Chances are pretty good you're going to get thrown out. Thrown out is bad, right? So as a third base coach or as the person that's reading the predictive analysis, I'm analyzing all these data points to determine are we at the right point or are we not at the right point? Do we have to stay on second base or can we come to third base? Can we go for that higher price? Are there more people here at the higher price? Can we make it? So all of these things are, are going through this predictive analysis of are we going to say stay at a certain price and launch or are we going to say, come on, let's launch at a higher price? Now, sometimes I put my hands up and I say, stop, you got to get back to second base. Got to get back to second base. Now, in baseball, Justin, what do they call that? Running through the stop sign. They ran through the stop sign. So I could say, seller, stop. There's trouble ahead. We are not going to get any contracts at this price. We're just fishing. We're not catching. Stop. Most sellers stop. And they acquiesce to the fact that they know that you do $160 million a year and blah, blah, blah. And they've seen you sell all their neighbors' homes in a quick fashion. So they will stop. Some run through the stop sign. Some will say, I don't care. I still want to put it up at the higher price. Now, saying I use all the time is we need to do things the easy way or the hard way. The easy way is to stop and wait and we'll hit you. We'll bring you, we'll get you home. We're going to hit, you know, we're going to get a bunch of fish in the boat. We'll definitely get you home. So I can tell you for those that stop on, on second base, a hundred percent, make it home a hundred percent. And they make it home with good money because every time we fall back or we drop back $50,000, we not only sell the house with multiple contracts with no, no appraisals and no home inspections, but we actually get $93,000 higher price when we sell it. High price, no contingencies, no home inspection, no waiting, multiple buyers. If buyer A kicks out, we have buyer B. That's 100%. When people run through the stop sign and say, I want to come with the higher price and the house sits on the market, you have one buyer. You may or may not get your price, and you are definitely going to get a home inspection. Now, we just lived through a home inspection that's 53 items on a home inspection. 53. Now, understand, we did a pre-inspection. We looked at it, and we knew, you know, there were some things, but, but 53 items. Buyer comes in and says, I want 45000 Seller says, I'm not giving you a nickel. Now, that's doing it the hard way. That is doing it the hard way. We prefer not to run through a stop sign. We prefer to stay where we want, you know, stay where all the data points tell us to be. They're all going to tell us this is the spot you want to be. Now, the other day, I told you as a story, I think on the last show, about a house that I had priced at 1.4 to 1.45 million. That was our range. And the seller wanted to sell it for $2 million. I said, why do you want to sell for $2 million? He said, well, that's what Zillow says it's worth. And that was on the show that said, you know, that AI is a disaster in the real estate world. That was a good example of it. So somebody else came along, believe it or not, a Samson agent came along, and they listed the house. And they listed it for $1.8 million. Now, when they listed it, they listed it. There was no 
coming soon. Let's test it. Let's see if there's a buyer pool. Let's see if we can get it. No, it was just listed. Now, I'm just going to tell you, um, let me see how I put this. If somebody was here, if that's where their production was, and my production was here, I'd find out what those guys are doing, and that's what I would try and do. At least I would listen. And I am going to tell you that the most important thing a realtor can do at Samson Properties or for our sellers, the 100% most important thing we can do is listen to the predictive analysis. When we launch it, a couple of things are going to happen. And let me roll through some of these screens real quick. How, you know, how do, how do we know this works? Well, Samson Properties is the blue line, and that's our market share in the Northern Virginia market. And the uh, yellow line there, orange line, whatever it is, that's Long and Foster. So you can see that Samson Properties has really overtaken the market. And, and we do that because we, Donnie is great at educating and, you know, everybody does these things. We all try and help each other. We try and do these predictive analysis. We try and get our pricing squared away. But that's the reality of today's real estate market. Now, I'll go through this. 33% of the homes under contract, over a million dollars in Vienna were our homes. Now, there's a lot of agents and there's a lot of people out there, but for any team to capture a third of it, and believe it or not, over 1.5 million, 75% of the homes under contract were our listings. So this is what works. When people throw houses on the market, they don't sell and they sit, that's a problem. So we put together the series. The first one was that you can see. There's, there's four of them you can look at right now. There's pricing strategy, home prep, marketing plan, the predictive analysis, which is where we are today. And then I'm going to do the contract negotiations. So today we're going to focus, we're focusing on that predictive analysis. What exactly is it that we do and how do we do it? So as you can see, this is one of our listings. This is what we send out. Um, as you can see up there, 14,000 people saw this house on Facebook. Uh, 180 some odd people clicked through or looked at it or went to the website. And this has got a beautiful website and beautiful pictures. This is how we're going to market this prior to our predictive analysis. So, so we're trying to get everybody that's looking in McLean and Arlington and D.C. and Alexandria, anywhere where their homes are more expensive than Vienna. Because to be honest with you, if you're looking for a house in Vienna, you're going to find the house. It's going to punch you right in the face. But these are people that are looking elsewhere. So, and this is in the marketing class that we gave. So I get a phone call on this from a guy in New York City. He's in a penthouse. I says, where the hell is Vienna, Virginia? And I tell him, it's Northern Virginia. And he says, well, where is it next to McLean? I'm looking at McLean. I said, we're right next door to McLean. He goes, I've been looking for one year in McLean. I couldn't find it. I saw it. It came on my Wall Street Journal feed this morning, Google Ads. He said, it's a miracle. It's like, no, it's Google Ads. It's geofencing. We knew that you were looking. They knew you were looking in somewhere in our territory, and we sent you the ad. So he comes down. He spends $1.6 million on it. Nobody in Vienna wanted to pay $1.6 million for this house. He came down. $1.6 is a steal for him. He bought the house for $1.6 million. Now, so that kind of marketing is going on during the coming soon period. Now we have to look at it. Not, not every time does somebody say, I'm going to come down and buy this house and give you a check. I need to analyze, this is our website. This is, when they click on our home, I can see what country they're coming from, what city they're coming from, how old they are, 
Do I have women or men looking at this? You know, do we have the right buyer pool looking at it? Up here you can see that 165 people have gone to this site, which our metric says that's good. That's a good number. It's a great house. So all we need to do is just get people to show up at the house. And then what we do, so I'll look at, at our, our um, Google Analytics, but then most importantly, and this is something, maybe not all of our agents have Google Analytics and have their own custom websites, but everybody has a thing called the hit counter. So if you go to Bright in the upper left-hand corner and you come down, you'll see a hit counter. All of your listings are on that hit counter. Now this is a snapshot of our hit counter at one time. And what you have here is you have every one of your listings and then you have the status of the listing and then over to if you go across where I've got the little box you can see what's called the buyer pool. Now the first number, not in the box, but the first number says how many people have a stored search that are looking for this house, right? The second one is how many people opened the email? How many people looked at it, actually looked at it, were interested enough, or live bodies that would look at it? That's what I call the buyer pool. Fishing, in fishing, it's called the biomass. You're looking for the school of fish. Where is that school of a thousand dolphin that we can sit on and just pull them out? That's your school. So my buyer pool or my school of fish will be 100, 150, 200, 250, 300. I need enough people in that, in that biomass to make that. So if you can see the top and it looks like there's 97, go down and some of them have 250, 350, 450. So what we're looking at is how many people are actually in your buyer pool. Now, I tell sellers that when you go from one level, if let's say we're testing 1.35, so we put a house on the market, we list it at 1.35 using very sophisticated pricing models, and there's no buyer pool there. If we drop it $50,000, we will at least double, if not triple, the buyer pool. And there are some levels, some thresholds of buyers that there's a massive buyer pool under, anything under a million dollars. If you go under a $100,000 level, that's a big one. You go under 50000 that's a good one. So, but the big one is if you go under a million. So, so let's say somebody's going to list a house for a million fifty. Your buyer pool over a million for that house, maybe a hundred. The buyer pool under a million for that house is about five hundred. So you would list it at nine ninety nine, because you want as many people in that buyer pool as humanly possible. Do so many people? How many people do you see go on that uh, MLS right now and look and see how many listings are at eight uh, fifty five? 860, 865, 955. When you go from 950 to 955, you cut your buyer pool in half. So if you're trying to fish in the biggest buyer pool, why would you eliminate 50% of your buyer pool for $5,000? I don't, I just don't understand. I don't understand. So the first sign that a realtor is doing it wrong is somebody that is listing $5,000 over a major threshold. The people that go on for a million 25. This is a buyer pool under a million. This is a buyer pool over a million. Why would you get rid of all these people just for $25,000? Our average bid was $140,000 over list price. So, so let's, you know, let's find the buyer pool. And I know that the sellers are concerned 
that if we move it back, maybe, you know, a couple things. One, they see that we're moving back, and that's, that's indicating weakness. That's wrong. It's not. We always get over list. You're looking for the biggest buyer pool. If I move it back, that's what I'm going to get. That's incorrect. Our average right now is, nine, even in this market, is 93000 over list price when we move back. So, so we want to be very cognizant of that buyer pool. So if I'm looking at this document here, and every realtor, every one of you can look at this. Every one of you can see your listings. First, make sure it's under 550 or 650 or 600 or whatever it is. Make sure you're cognizant of the threshold. Then check your buyer pool. If you don't have a buyer pool, now, now let's stop for a second. Let's just stop for a second. A predictive analysis is only valuable if you're close, right? So let's say a house is $1.2 million. Well, if I say, we're going to test 1.35, well, you know nobody's there, but if you move to 1.3, are they even at 1.3? The answer is no, they're not. They probably so when I'm pricing a house, I'm this close to what the price is going to be, this close. So let's say we're somewhere in 1.22, 1.225, somewhere around in there. I'm like, well, I'll tell you what we can do. We can test 1.25, but I think your buyer pool is at 1.2. So get in a tight range. Don't listen to Google. Don't listen to uh, Realtor.com. I can show you that they're $500,000 apart on many, many listings. Um, it's, it, the AI is horrible, so you need to do what is the proper range of this house? What is the average percentage of assessment that homes are selling for? What is the average price per square foot that homes are selling for? Stay within one mile. Go back 90 days and no more. And that will tell you. And then the focus is how far out I need to go. One mile, two miles, three miles. But you need to do this by hand. A realtor cannot depend on artificial intelligence, which is ridiculously bad for what the house is worth. Do your homework. So we're within that $50,000 range, 1.2 to 1.25. Now, normally, before 2020, I would say we got to stay under 1.2. You just got to do it. I mean... I'm telling you, if we go over it, we're going to lose a buyer pool. We're going to da-da-da-da-da. But the predictive analysis allows us now, 30 day, or seven days, to test the 1.25, which is what the seller really wants, is the 1.25. So it allows us to test it. Hey, if there's a buyer pool there, we're going to know it. But we can't launch at 1.25 and then get 10 days into it, 15 days into it, and find out we were wrong. The buyer pool is under 1.2. We're dead in the water. I'm telling you, this is the hard way. We're dead in the water. So we need to be able to test something for those critical seven days and then adjust it to where it needs to be. Now, this does give, the Casey Sampson team has given us a lot more flexibility with sellers where I'm adamant on where it should be, but this gives me the flexibility to say, we can test 1.25. It gives you agents the flexibility to say, we can test the higher number. And, and I will tell you that probably only one out of 10 times, it does not test well, and we move back. 
and once we get to my number or the number I think we should be at, then 20 showings, 30 people in the open house, eight contracts, houses go up, like I said, an average of $93,000. There's no home inspections, there's no uh, appraisals, there's none of that stuff, right? So if we stayed at 1.25, would somebody come along at 1.25? Maybe one person will. But when that one person comes along, what are they going to do? They're going to beat you up on price. They're going to threaten to leave. They're going to do a home inspection. It's going to appraise lower, and you might get stuck with that. So what I'm saying is there are a lot more landmines if you only have one fish on the boat. There's, there's tons of leverage, and there's tons of opportunities, and tons of flexibility when you have six fish on the boat. You can decide what fish you want. And if that fish turns out to be not a good fish, you can go to fish number two or fish number three, right? But the key is getting multiple people in. So what I'm looking for on this is they have favorites and they have um, possibles, people that are considering it, right? So if I have nine favorites and I have six or eight possibles, I know I'm on the biomass. I'm on it. If there's 12 or 15, or 12, we're definitely on it. Stand by, print more brochures. We got at least 10 contracts coming in. So, so this is something where, okay, well, Casey's got uh, custom websites or Casey's got uh, uh, Google Analytics. You don't need, this is it. This, this, this is it. This is telling you whether you're on the, the local biomass. This is the local people. All of the social media stuff and the guy from New York and the people that are coming in from the West Coast and all, all of that, yes, it comes in on the Google Analytics, and we look at that on the website, and that's a different kind of analytic we can look at. But this is the local biomass that you're looking at right here, okay? So, so I can tell you we're on the number or we're not on the number. Now, this is just I can't really see it because it's too far away, but I, it appears that, yeah, this is, this is what it looked like in February or March of 2022. See how everybody is... Um, 800, 900, 1,000, that's what the buyer pools look like back then. That's what the buyer pools look like today. That was then. This is today. Now, they're still out there. The, 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 the buyer pools are still there. And prices are very high. And there is no inventory, so prices can't come down as long as there's no inventory. But homes are overpriced. Don't, don't. Let's not kid ourselves. At these interest rates, homes are overpriced at least 15%. So what's going to make, what's going to happen? What are we going to do now? Now what? Well, let me finish with a predictive analysis, and then we're going to get along with the now what. But I can tell you that, you know, they're artificially high right now, and we're just going to have to live with it. Now, this, this is a chart that shows the blue is how many people were the favorites on the houses, and the green were how many contracts we got on the house. So it's pretty easy to see that, um, it's pretty easy to see that however many favorites, that's how many contracts you're gonna get. Probably about, for the great houses, maybe two contracts for every three people that love it. For not so good houses, maybe one contract for every four people that love it. So if a house is not a sexy house, or it's a layer cake, not a wedding cake, if it's, then I need more people. I need more people on my hit counter to tell me that this is it. Now, let me, let me explain this. This is what you go over with your sellers. This is what 
the sellers have to have confidence in this process that we're going to make sure that we get on the right buyer pool and we understand how to do this. There's not another agent. I will guarantee you there is not another agent that's going to walk in the door and go, let me show you how we're going to do a predictive analysis and make sure we're on the right price. I bet you a million dollars you'll never run into another agent that does that. Hopefully you guys do it. So this is Vienna. These are the, these are the agents, and, and some of you want to be uh, in your market and, and um, you know, be number one in your market and all. So in Vienna, over a million dollars, it's kind of our market where we focus at Vienna and Oakton, and, and we do it all over Northern Virginia. The same thing, the same stuff works in Alexandria and, and the Plains and all that. But it's $86 million last year in the Vienna Oakton market, over a million dollars. This is what everybody else did. All of these are really good agents. They are good agents. But a lot of them are now depending on artificial intelligence to price their homes for them. They're not doing a predictive analysis. They're doing exactly what the seller wants them to do. And in some markets that we were just in, in the last six months, anybody could sell a house. There's no inventory. That was then. This is now. So we are moving into the second half of 2023, but it will be more of a normal market. We still have no inventory. But buyers are not stupid. Buyers are not going to pay $300,000 more than a house is worth. There are 7% interest rates right now. They're just not going to do it. So the buyer pool shrinks in the, in the summertime. Okay? Now, does that mean we don't sell in the summer? Absolutely not. We're selling in the summer all the way through. Because if, we, if our house is one of the top ones, it's priced right, everything is done correctly, we've marketed it, we've staged it, you know, it looks great, it's going to sell. And... The buyer pool may have shrunk, but the inventory has shrunk. So this is when we like to swim in the water, right? This is when we like to bring our homes out, when there's not a lot of inventory. So what's going to happen in the future? A, who the hell knows? Who the hell knows? Because I am sick and tired of predictions. Somebody says, oh, well, interest rates are going to be, really? Do you know that? Because I can tell you that what I know is interest rates are going to move with the news that's coming out on Wednesday or Thursday or next Monday, every time you get an inflation report, anytime you get an employment report, that's going to have an effect on the Fed and whether they're going to raise rates or drop rates. So how do you know what the rates are going to be in three months or two months? It's really only as good as next Wednesday's reports. Are we trending up or are we trending down? Well, we've been trending up right now, right? So. So I'm concerned that the interest rates may be going, may be going up. I think that, you know, and again, this is all my opinion. I'm, not a, I'm a real estate guy. I'm not a financial guy, but I do know one thing. That if you're, the supply is going down, then the prices go up. And I, I'm not sure that we're getting enough energy coming in. I think that petroleum is going down, and we're stealing out of the, you know, petroleum oil reserve right now, and it's keeping prices artificially low on energy costs. And that's fine. But when you, when that stops and the energy costs rise, I think it's going to have more effect on the inflation. That's going to have more effect on our interest rates. And I'm extremely concerned. So that's where we go in the future. So, so I don't deal in the future. I deal in the now. And the now is you sell when they yell, you buy when they cry, right? You sell when they yell. So when they're yelling for houses, you're selling. When the sellers are crying, you're buying, 
right? Sell when they yell, buy when they cry. And all I know is they're yelling. Now, the only people that aren't yelling are the people that overprice their house and put them on for extraordinary amounts of money, and it sits and sits and waits. So I'm going to tell you my advice to all of the... Uh, and, and again, let me, let me stop here. So going back to that one slide where we do 86, everybody, so 75% of the homes under contract were ours, right? In this price range, over 1.5 million in being. So you'd think that I would know more than anybody that market and that price range, right? But every house is unique. So every house I put on in that price range, I can think I know what it is, but I've got to test that market. I test the market for seven days, even though I've just settled on three of the, the comps I'm using. I still need to test the market. Is that neighborhood popular? Is this house style popular? Are the amenities popular? Is everybody still out there? Is the biomass left? So, so I don't sit down and say, well, uh, you know, if Jenny's and Bill's sold for 1.65, this is definitely worth 1.65. We don't know that. It's a different house. It's a different neighborhood. It's a different dynamic. It's a different yard. It's a different, um, it's different upgrades. It's got a different floor plan, right? So even though they're in the same class, even and and I, you know, I, I think we had four settlements in the last probably two weeks, all within you know one point seven to two point two million dollars. And they're like, but right the second somebody walked in and said, "I need to price my house at one point eight million dollars," like I got to do a test. <laughs> what do you mean you got to do a test? You just sold their house. We got to see if the buyer pool is there. Let's do a predictive analysis. So no matter how smart you think you are, and I will say this, the most dangerous uh, realtors are the neighborhood realtors because a neighborhood realtor, A, lives there in the neighborhood, A. So they remember when houses sold for $900,000. Well, I know they sold theirs for nine. Yeah, but that was six months ago. That was a point and a half in interest rates ago. That was a long, that, you know, I know you want it to be nine, 950, but that might not be where the buyer pool is today, right? So they assume they know the neighborhood. They assume they know it, so they put it on a price. They over. I went to Dominion Valley one time, and this was about five or six years ago, and she said, um, I said what the price of the house was, was and said, well, Mike, the neighbors in the area, they, they don't agree with that. They don't agree with that. I said, really? Well, you've had, you had 12 houses listed in this price range, not one sold. They all withdrew. And I showed her the 12 homes that withdrew from those local agents. Why? They're overpriced. They remember when prices were higher. They're not doing the proper work and, and, and due diligence that you have to do on every house. If anybody was to be cocky about knowing what prices are, it's our team and my agents because we just sold five of them. Just sold five of them. 75% of the market. Blah, 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 blah. Doesn't matter. I have to test every single house. So I, I guess, you know, this is, this is the fourth uh, element. This is the fourth element of um, the first 96. And, and I will tell you that the first 96 is critical no matter what the market is. We went through the price. And again, we went through very sophisticated pricing models where we're within you know, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars what a house should sell for, what that customary value is. So that's extremely important. 
and then we prepare the home, which I think is the, a game changer when a house is in yellow paint versus Revere Pewter, and you, you have old, beat up, you know, it just shows poorly. You got plants everywhere, you got old lights, you got old plumbing fix. So, number two was how to prepare the house, number three was how to market the house, how to get that marketing out and get, get to that buyer pool that are that are not looking in your area, that are coming in. Number four was the predictive analysis. I will tell you that one, two, and three, one, two, and three are important, but not as important as the final element. So let me give you the last element in finding out whether you're going to be launching that house at that price or not. Let's say you're between 850 and 800. And let's go to the, you know, we're looking on the hit counter. We're saying, hey, you got five favorites. You got seven people that like it. We should be good to go. Let's say you've even got sophisticated enough to have Google Analytics of your own website. And you're looking at everybody coming in. And all flags are go. And then the final thing you look at, how many people are coming to see the house? It's Wednesday. We launch on Thursday. How many people are coming to see the house? Go on to, what is it, showing time. Go to showing time and see how many people are walking in the door. Two. Two overrides all numbers, all analytics, all everything. Nobody's coming into your house. So when all is said and done, a realtor at Samson Properties can do a predictive analysis on two elements. One, go to your hit counter and see how many people love it. Number two, how many people are coming to see it. If you are... If you are two or let's say three or below, you're too high. Now you need to prepare the seller because it is extremely distasteful and concerning for a seller to drop the price of their house. It is not easy. And I will tell you, even for me, trust me, we do this all the time. This is, you know, we've had... 10 or 15 drop their price. Each one averages $93,000. I get it. I mean, I've got statistics that show that if you do this, it works. But it is still difficult to say 1.3 is not your number. We've got to go to 125. 1.8 is not your number. We've got to go to 175. It's hard. It's hard for me. It's hard for anybody. Okay? So, so setting expectations is extremely important when you're talking with your sellers up front. And so, you know, up front, I'm, I'm, I'm preparing them. I'm telling you that 1.25 may or may not be our number. Our fallback is 1.2. So, and here's the criteria. If we have less than three people coming to see your house, we're dropping back to 1.2. And that's setting expectations right out of the gate. Even that makes it difficult for me when I set expectations to still go and say, we need to talk on Wednesday morning. We don't have the showings. And, and I will tell you to a seller, they're disappointed. It's, it's hard. It's disappointed. But would you, rather, would you rather sit on that house and fish for that one buyer that's going to bring in 50, 50 items on a home inspection and then not meet your appraisal contingency and have them kick out and not have a backup buyer? That's really hard. That's really doing it the hard way. Or go down where there's a bunch of fish and a bunch of contracts. You have them lined up. And when the contract number one kicks out, for whatever reason, 
They may just have cold feet, think they outbid for the house. Contract two is standing right there. You just slip it right into contract two, and away you go, and you keep going. Two, two out of four of the houses that we just went to settlement on, those were backup contracts. Those were not the first contract. So, so it's this hard to tell them we need to get the price where we need to be, but it's this hard if you miss it. If you miss the price and the house stands on the market, you miss it. Now, I will tell you I run numbers all the time. I'm a numbers guy. I can tell you that probably 20% of the houses that we have, um, 20% of the houses that, that are listed on the market sell in that first weekend. So what's going on with the other 80? They're sitting, and they're doing it the hard way, and they're fishing. They're not catching the fishing. And then they're going to come up with something that home inspections and tough items that are going to make it hard on them. So I, I, I just want to make it simple and easy for the Samson agents and the Samson property agents that, that do two things, three things. Go coming soon. Market the hell out of it. Seven days. Prepare your seller that we're just testing the price. We're testing it. Look at your hit counter. Look at your, um, look at your um, showing time. How many people are coming to see the house? How many people are buzzing? How many agents are calling? Can I get in early? Can I see it? Hey, what, what are your contracts? When are your contracts due? Are you going to take any contracts? In? That's buzzing. So you hear chirping from all the agents. So if you hear no chirping and we have very low this and low that, we're at the wrong number. I'm just telling you we're at the wrong number. We've got to get to the next buyer pool. Let's move down there and get everybody in the house and let her roll. And the reason why you can't put it off at too high of a number, that if you went from 1.35 and you dropped to 1.3, well, the buyer pool might not be there because it's really a $1.25 million house. So, so, and then they'll look at you and go, well, you said if we dropped it $50,000 that they'd be coming, come rushing in. And that's why it is imperative that the agents, you get close enough that just like that coach on third base, I know if you stay on third, we're safe, or stay on second, we're safe. I see the indicators, stay on second, and I know we're safe. Get back to that lower number. I know 1.2 or 1.25, I know that's a safe number. Test 1.3, but I know 1.25 is safe. So you can't go $150,000 over on your test because when you drop 50, you're still not sure where the buyer pool is. And that's why the pricing is important. You got to get within $50,000 so that you know that they're safe on second base. You got to know where second base is. Got to know where that price is. Okay? You've been listening to Coffee with Casey. This has been a special edition. This is the fourth, um, uh, fourth show on the first 96 series of selling your home in the first 96 hours, which is critical. The contracts don't need to be ratified within 96, but I'm saying that within 96, you've got contracts coming in. And, you, and now, we're, now we're just catching. Now we're throwing fish on. And next time when we get together at the end of August, we're going to be talking about the final episode, which is the contract negotiations. And should there be a home inspection, how you negotiate it, right? So a perfect example this week was, you know, we did have somebody that ran through the stop sign. We listed high, finally got that contract, but the home inspection came in with 53 items. How do you negotiate your way out of a 53-item home inspection list? So 
when in the next show we're going to be talking about how you negotiate that contract, how you use highest and best offers to get the best contract, how you deal with six or seven contracts coming in at the same time, how you make sure the number two and three contracts are the most important contracts in the whole deal. And then if you are fishing and have to deal with the dark side of real estate, which is the home inspection and the appraisal, how do you negotiate that? Now, we went to settlement yesterday at 11 o'clock. At 9 o'clock in the morning, we were... Um, whatever the difference is between 10 and 39. So that's 29,000, we're $30,000 off at nine o'clock in the morning. And went to settlement and everybody was laughing and happy and exchanging bourbons at 11 o'clock. How do you get from point A to point B? Because I will tell you that at that level, a $2.2 million house, I don't know what the commission is on $2.2 million, but it's a lot. I mean, we're talking $70,000, $80,000. So it's a lot, and you got 80 grand on the line, and at 9 o'clock, you're $30,000 apart. How do you get to smiling and happy and exchanging bourbon and champagne and everybody having a good time at 11? How do you get from point A to point B? But I will tell you, if you're not skilled at negotiating contracts or you're not skilled at negotiating home inspection releases, that deal's going to blow up. We're dealing with a ton of emotions. We're dealing with really, um, really the root of they're trying to screw me or I'm trying to screw them or everybody's trying to screw it. You got to calm it down. So we're going to talk about that next week. Thanks for listening to Coffee with Casey. We'll see you again next week with just a regular old show that's not as deep as this one was. And we'll talk about market conditions. And uh, I don't know what we'll talk about next week. I'll think of something. See you again next week on Coffee with Casey. Bye now. <laughs>